0: Welcome to the new media show. We've been uh, working a few minutes here to get uh, Mr. Dan Franks in. Dan, welcome to the new media show. How are you?
1: Thanks for having me. I think it's my first uh, my first call with you in the new the new studio, the new setup.
0: Uh, yeah that's right. I think it's been yeah. maybe that's true because uh, last time we would well, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Well, because
2: well, we would have had Dan on a couple months ago
1: if it wasn't for this COVID thing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. lots of things would have happened. If- for
0: that right right yeah yeah and so, it looks like you're kind of in a new location too from the background we're seeing
1: yeah home office um sharing the home office so that's that's a good thing though so uh, you know we're on the same page about <laughs> sometimes we've got to do interviews right that's just part of it
2: so yeah oh yeah or 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 zoom calls right
1: or zoom calls <laughs> uh, yeah one too many zoom calls i'll raise my hand for that it's it used to be
0: par- death by powerpoint now it's death by zoom I right. think so.
1: And it's, you know, the interesting thing is now all of a sudden we're having these zoom calls when we would have just created emails with somebody or done a regular phone call. But now all of a sudden people that you would have just had a regular phone call with are uh, wanting to see your face, I guess. So that's all. It's interesting that why, why we've gone like not just up to the line, but over it when it comes to, to video calls for everything.
0: You know, oh, yeah. I have to mention I went bald and you grew a beard. So. I grew a
1: beard and I haven't cut my hair in like six <laughs> or seven months. So, um, yeah, we've got a newborn in the house. Though so, we've been socially distancing, uh, probably more than more than most. So overly protective, and so the uh, the barber has
0: not seen me in a while. It's interesting because I know some other folks that had babies and they've been out and about doing everything. They said they said the baby's going to be fine. We're not going to worry. And so far, so good. So. Different approaches crossed, for everybody, right. yeah. Yeah, no.
1: Yeah. brave braver than me, but um yeah. as long as their baby's good, my baby's good, then I'm uh I'm Then happy you're happy, forever. right?
0: Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. Well, we've uh it's been a while and I guess you know the news is already out that uh the in the live event uh has been canceled and I'm you know, I was I was fully prepared. I was gonna go to Texas, I didn't care. The rest of my team or wherever the, I think it was Texas, wherever that yeah. we were going to go. my I said, you really go? And I'm like, I'm on the first airplane. <laughs> so, uh, but I understand it was, and up being too much of a, of a risk. So you guys are gone virtual. So I'm sure that was hard.
1: Yeah. I mean, the sit sitting there in, in March when this really became a big thing, because obviously we had the event in Los Angeles in February and then rolled right into preparations for the summer event and, and that was March when the, all of this hit and I just kept telling people like oh if this thing is still going on by August like we'll have bigger fish to fry than whether the event's going to happen or not and I right. was just sure it was going to be good to go in August and obviously a couple months after I was making those proclamations we decided to delay the event to October and I you know same thing like okay it's definitely got to be under control by October or else you know the world's going to be burned down and we won't have to worry about the event anyways um, and then obviously you know here we are we found ourselves about more or less 90 days out that those October dates that we had uh, delayed the event to and just started becoming apparent that it was very unlikely that we would be able to hold the event in any semblance of what it uh, what it's known for and what we want to do and then mm. you know from a business perspective even if things were to all of a sudden flip switch and things were to be great by October uh, those month months pre-sales and relationship building to then sell last minute tickets and all of that really just uh we we weren't going to be able to do any of that so um and and in good conscience we didn't feel good about pushing out big marketing campaigns about this event in october when so many things are, are going on it seemed a little tone deaf uh at least from our perspective so all of those things just made it that we didn't feel comfortable pushing forward any further to do that event in october in person and uh, yeah like you said we're doing a virtual event i guess the big delineation is we have not made the in-person event virtual we've not transitioned to a a virtual event we have canceled the in-person event and at that same more or less during that same time period that that in-person that was going to be we are instead holding a virtual event and that's important to me to to lay out because a lot of in person events have just said, oh, okay, the event's virtual this year, your tickets are still good. Mm-hmm. Exhibitors, your sponsorships are still good. And like, we're not uh, naive enough or, or trying to play dumb enough to tell attendees who spent hundreds of dollars on tickets that, oh, the experience will be the same or, right. or I'm telling exhibitors or sponsors that, oh, don't right. worry, your title sponsorship, there's be thousands and thousands of people coming together for this in person party. Um, it's going to be the same with this virtual party. So, um, for that reason, like it was, it was very important to us to, Kind of draw that line in the sand. Say the event's canceled. We are going to do an event. It's going to be virtual, but we're not trying to just convince people that it's uh, that the in-person event trans, trans- uh, transitioning. So you know, for that reason, we offered refunds to everyone. We offered rollover options to everyone, attendees, sponsors, uh, exhibitors, all of that. So just from a peace of mind standpoint, it was very important to us to um, communicate whether or not people just assumed it was uh, the in-person event going virtual. Um, it was important to us to try to overly communicate that it it's not that because I think it's silly to to try to do that.
0: I, I think you guys um had the right approach to that. I, I've I've talked to a number of folks and um you know, we've done a bunch of virtual stuff already. Uh, you know, probably one a week, you know, maybe not that much, but I've done a lot of virtual stuff. Yeah. And um you know how it is when you're in an event, we're there at the event, we're going from room to room, we're engaging, we're in the hallway talking with people, we're, you know, all that stuff. And if, you know, if there's a session we don't want to see, maybe we go over to the vendor area or maybe we're completely booked through with different sessions. And it's just, you, you're hundred percent focused. There's no kids doing homework. There's no, you know, somebody that needs dinner or whatever it may be. And um, you're there, you're there. And then you have the after evening things as you're just 100% focused. And we've been going to these virtual events and we see 30, 40 people hanging out in a session and, you know, they drift in and drift out. And then you ask somebody a question and they're not even really there. They're just computers there. (laughs) So I I think that, um, you know, that has been. For me, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then the value is going to be what I, those 40 or 50 people, which would have been the 40 or 50 people that would have been in the room otherwise. And, you know, I'm happy with that, but it's the rest of the experience is not the same, but I think your guys' approach to do it over two weeks. I think you guys had, to, you know, I, I, that's what I would have told you to do too, because people's attention span right now is really minimal.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Not, and, that was something we yeah, were Oh, sorry. I'm go ahead, Rob.
2: No, and being able to jump in and out of sessions, um, you know, during a longer period of time, I, I think makes a lot of sense. You know, and not having so much piled into one short period of time, I, I, I think it makes it possible for people to maybe fit it in their lives more. But Dan, go go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, I was just going to say, you know, we've we've all at this point, like you said, Todd, maybe once a week, gone to a zillion uh, virtual events or summits or even just like you know day long webinars or half day long webinars, different forms that these things are taking. Um at this point having been smart, we've all done different versions of those, um, and especially us because we were testing a whole bunch of different platforms and wanting to see how things people were doing things that worked and didn't work, and that's ultimately what we landed on was how can we make this event as substantial, like a substantial event. So multiple days, multiple tracks, all of that, but also digestible enough for people to, uh, to participate in. Because sure, like you said, when we're all in person, in one place, uh, we're, we're all kind of head down. like We don't have those distractions, family, other obligations. Um, and we can't recreate that. We can't take people out of their house to do a virtual event. So we, we stepped back and said, okay, we're not going to try to do the in-person event virtually so we have freedom to kind of build it from the ground up how we think it would be best um, you know consumed by attendees and sponsors and exhibitors and speakers and all of that so when we took that approach to it we thought okay if we can spread this over two weeks but still do the same four four conference days just like we do the in-person event um, but let's do it over two weeks and tuesday and thursday each week to us that made a lot of sense from Okay, people could maybe instead of telling their their family or their employers, "Hey, I'm taking four days off in a row from work, or don't bother me for four days while I'm going to this conference in a row." Those four days are still there, but it's just two weeks you know, spread over two weeks instead of four days in a row. So that's why we chose that you know Tuesday and Thursday one week, and then Tuesday and Thursday the next week are those four conference days. Um, and And within those days, the the schedule might look somewhat similar to the in-person event in terms of having. You know, keynote sessions, general sessions that everyone's there, um, but then breakout sessions throughout the rest of the day and some networking events. But those, those things all fall on those Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, of those two weeks in a row. And, and, you know, our, our open exhibitor hall hours are going to be kind of mirror that same thing all over those four days, um, fresh across, across the two weeks. So yeah, that's something that we you know, thought long and hard about, but we landed on it. We haven't seen a whole lot of events do that exact thing. Uh, so, so we'll, we'll see if it works. Um, we'll be the test dummies on that. But I think, um at least as far as, as, as far as we think it'll be good. And we're you know, we're 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 putting so much into the product we've got production teams doing each one of these stages. So, you know, it, it's easier from that standpoint as well to kind of spread those responsibilities and those um, you know, super intense hardcore days over those uh two weeks as well. So yeah, that's what the approach we're taking.
0: So which platform are you guys gonna use?
1: So we I wanna say we've probably like one on one demoed Twenty-five third. wow like, not just like watch video but actually like sit with somebody and talk through them i um, mean that was over the course of several months obviously um and what we landed on was one named swap card and if anyone wants to learn more about swap card our, our event website which is virtual.podcastmovement.com has kind of videos and and little previews and stuff um, but the interesting thing about swap card is it's been around for a long time but its original iteration was a networking, matchmaking, meeting scheduling type platform. So if you were an in-person event, you would, uh, incorporate swap card into your event. And that's how people, if they wanted to, um, you know, discover, look through the three or 4,000 attendees, try to pick the people that were the right matches for them. Or if exhibitors wanted to schedule meetings with a certain type of attendee, uh, it, it's pretty sophisticated AI that brings, um, you know, helps with that matchmaking, that, that meeting make. So that's what SwapCard traditionally was, was that networking and matching platform. And then when all of this hit, around SwapCard, they built the rest of the virtual event platform, which is, it's backwards from what a lot of the platforms we demoed were, which a lot of those platforms are like, oh, okay, we need to figure out a way to embed a Zoom call or do video sessions. And then the networking aspect, exhibitor aspect, all of those were secondary. And you could feel this, you, you know, as you demo all these platforms, you can see, okay, now I what their first priority was what the second priority is and then what they didn't even worry about until the last um so with this swap card platform since it was networking uh first that whole networking experience and matchmaking experience and you know, the bump ways or the seeking people out in the expo hall or wh- whatever that looked like that's going to be you know a, a very at least as far as virtual limitations allow as smooth of a uh, process and experience as possible And then, of course, like all of the um, platforms, they've got the ability to have, you know, sessions, video, you know, video embeds. So you never have to leave the platform and uh, chat, Q&A and polls and all of those things that a lot of have. Um, But just kind of that that networking uh, experience first is what what really sold us on it. And, uh, you know, it's not it's definitely not the cheapest one we demoed. It's not the most expensive, but it's up there. Uh, but we're, you know, we, we really believe in it and we believe the experience that it's going to provide the attendees. So we're, you know, investing in, in the platform and super excited to get people uh, on there and trying it out. And yeah, it's going to be a, going to be a fun time, we think.
2: So are you still going to be using zoom like everybody else is, or are you going to use a different kind of, kind of video platform? Are you going to do your own thing?
1: Yeah, so a lot of these platforms, what we discovered is they were trying to kind of recreate Zoom within the platform. So you would basically go through what felt like a Zoom call, but you just <laughs> logged into the event website instead of Zoom. Right. Uh, but then they were all buggy because they don't have the resources and the time and the development of Zoom. So what, uh, what this platform does and has and kind of been doing since they launched it was it incorporates the Zoom call. So the speakers will be on a Zoom call, but the attendees won't be on a Zoom call. They'll be within that event. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so speakers will have a platform they're familiar with. And if they're familiar with screen sharing on Zoom, then they don't have to learn something new. Um, but then the attendees don't feel like they're just on another Zoom call. Right. Uh, one of the cool things about this platform is it's got a picture and picture. So if you're on a session and you decide, ah, I'm going to go look at the exhibitor page while I'm in this session, they don't have to, you know, open a new tab and have it in the background. It kind of just like, you know, I'm seeing on Skype right now. The session goes up in one yep. window yep. and then the page goes, you know, I, I can look at the page. And then if you actually, you could, in, in theory, set up a, a, do a quick video chat with another attendee, if you go to a exhibitor booth and you want to chat with whoever's worked there, that one-on-one video call could pop up. Theory, have a session going in one corner of your screen, the video in another corner, and then be scrolling through the rest of the event in the middle. So it, it, it's pretty smooth and, and sophisticated as far as that goes. So we're we're hoping that those, you know, we can't recreate the in-person event perfectly, but we're hoping we kind of lean on this platform and say, if it has to be virtual, what are some of the cool things that you can do virtually that you couldn't do in person? And maybe that's it. Have a meeting while you're in a session.
0: So the big question, how's the response been by the podcast movement family going virtual?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's multiple facets of that question. The first one is, um, you know, how are the attendees who registered for Dallas, who we, our proposition was this, you, you registered for Dallas, Dallas is canceled, uh, Give you your refund, option A, no questions asked. If you want your money back, we'll give it to you because the event's not happening. Uh, but option B, which helped us, hopefully we can provide value in return, is to roll that registration over next year's event, uh, next August in Nashville. That's where podcast movement twenty twenty one is going to be. And if you do that, then we'll give you the two hundred dollar level of the virtual event for free. So that's, you know, all the sessions, all the recordings, all of that of the the two week virtual event. And we've had a, a very, a very large chunk of those people who did that say, yeah, you know, we'll we'll take that. That's a good, good deal. And we we would want to do the virtual event anyways, and hopefully we can go to the in person next year. So, uh, the vast majority of people have taken us up on that. On um, the people that haven't, were a lot of the people who were only going to the event because it was in Dallas and they weren't really that interested in the event topic. It was just, hey, a conference in Dallas, mm-hmm. I'll buy a ticket. So, um, but for the most part, we've had really good response there. So that's kind of the first piece of that. Second piece is sponsors and exhibitors and and you know supporters financially. I mean that that's what makes the virtual event go around. Um, and same thing, we've had very good support there. Um, you know, we, and we 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 offered similar things. You know, we'll, we'll give you full you know full credit for whatever your sponsorship package was this year. Roll it over to next year. We won't you know put it up on the open market again. And exchange, will be some level of of branding at that virtual event. So great support there, and you know that the, both of those things we're so appreciative of then the third piece is obviously like new ticket sales, new, new interest based on it being virtual. And we've seen a really good response there too, just because, you know, now that people don't have to take time off work, don't have to travel. Um, you know, the ticket prices are a lot lower, obviously, because we don't have such a high hard cost. We don't have to charge as much for the ticket to, to pass those fees on. Um, so all of those things combined, we've seen really good response, really good new registrations. Um, you know, the one thing we don't know uh, at this point, we've gone seven events you know, in seven years in a row doing these in-person events. And we know what the registration trends look like. We know when tickets first go on sale, we see a big spike. Then we know every few months we have a price increase and we see a, a spike deep price. And then we know inevitably a month from the event, we're going to see that biggest spike. People have finally you know, had a, the event on the calendar. And now they're finally just going to pull the trigger, register, make plans to go to the event. And then you know, ticket sales at the in-person event are pretty close to steady uh, as we approach the event. So we, we at this point, every year, it's the same. We know what those trends look like for in-person registration. For the virtual event, you know, we can we can make assumptions. We can say, we think most people are going to wait till the last minute just because there's not really any pre-planning involved to, you know, buy a $99 ticket to, to attend a live event. It could be an impulse decision and you can enjoy the event just like you would had you registered six months out. So that's the big thing we don't know is what is that trend going to look like? What are those registration surges going to look like? Um, you know, we can make the assumption that every time there's a price increase, we'll see those spikes still. Um, but you know, we fully expect that instead of sales peaking a month before the event, it might peak a week or a day before the event. So, you know, a lot of that's just kind of, um, you know, we can talk anecdotally to other events, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see, but we're, you know, we're expecting lots and lots of, of people and we've got, you know, some great, speaking submissions coming through uh so we think they're going to be really good as always and yeah just excited about how everything's trending
0: so dan if you don't answer this you don't have to i'm just kind of curious Oh, did we lose rob
2: oh, no i'm still here okay. i'm just showing a screenshot of the Gaylord, where the uh rob's the, planning on 2021 the, he's already looking <laughs>
0: ahead <laughs> yeah yeah so no it's an awesome it's an awesome hotel so anyway, go, go so ahead, what? Going. So again, Rob, uh, I mean, Dan, if you don't want to answer this, it's fine. So how you you know? I know that there were several events that canceled. They were on timelines because of contracts and so forth. Did you do? Did you guys get hurt coming out of Dallas?
1: Uh no no I'm I'm happy to kind of talk big picture about it. Um, it's uh we are lucky enough to have good relationship with. With the brands, all of these hotels are managed by brands. No matter what brand is on the hotel, there's two or three. There's a Marriott, Hilton, and you know a few more that just kind of manage all of the hotels. So at this point, we've got good relationships with all of those, um, you know, top level hotel uh, chains, and we're able we were able to figure out a, a win win. Um, you know, and and it it's not even a deal where we're like, okay, we guarantee we'll do the event at your venue or one of your venues in a future year. But it's just like let's, you know. In exchange for us keeping the conversation open, we'll kind of shake hands, part as friends. Um, because truthfully, the way we were looking at it is those hotels, like they were willing to say, okay, we'll wipe out your food and beverage minimum, which is a big uh, thing. I think we've talked about it before, that as yep. event organizers, the two big yep. things we're on the hook for to the venues is spending a certain amount on food and beverage and booking a certain number of hotel rooms. Um, because if either of those things, we come short of whatever our contracted amounts are, we owe a big check. So that, that was kind of our big financial uh, liability was if we don't meet one of those two numbers, then we're going to write a big check. We didn't feel comfortable about meeting those numbers. So they were willing to wipe those numbers off the book Just say, Hey, whatever happens, happens. Uh, but, but again, we weren't comfortable with whatever happens, happens for the event. Um, and ultimately yep. I think they knew that like, if, because if we had an event, there's a certain level of staffing they would have to do and a certain level of things they would like, they would have to turn on, you know, whatever those costs for them are. And if we, brought nobody to the hotel, they'd be in a losing proposition as well. So, you know, I think and I I don't know how other events are are working uh working things out, but I think as far as that goes, they were kind of willing to work with us. And we were lucky enough it wasn't it wasn't like an automatic process. Like we had to push a little bit, you know, some of our our, our legal friends had to get involved just to clarify some things in the contract. Um, you know, on the flip side we didn't have like uh like a pandemic insurance or anything like that. So no one did you know, yeah, yeah, we're not we're not getting a big check on the back end either, but we're able to you know not have to write a big check to to get out of things. So I know we're not the only or we're you know not everyone was as lucky as that, but we are um you know we're fortunate to have those relationships that allowed us to do that
0: so can you even buy for next year? Can you even buy pandemic insurance now?
1: Oh, I'm sure you cannot <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I know one event organizer who stumbled backwards into having pandemic. So the story oh, wow. goes is that they, have, they had previous years had hurricane insurance yes. because they were on one of the coasts and their insurance provider desperately wanted to- oh, I heard about this. Desperately wanted to keep their, their business high because obviously premiums are higher for hurricane insurance and all of those things than just standard event insurance where those things aren't covered. Um, and this person- was still gonna do I think hurricane or earthquake insurance or something like that. And then the insurance provider said, Okay, this package you're buying comes with two different types of cover. So, you know, that hurricane insurance is one, what do you want the other one to be? And this person kinda closed their eyes and pointed and said, Okay, we'll take pandemic like that looked like the only other thing that could reasonably happen. And I heard they had Um, it for
0: like ten or twelve years. They paid on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's (laughs) not yeah, it's not your standard (laughs) thing. Um but uh but they did that and then they were they were very willing to, to cancel the event um, because they get a check from insurance as if the event happened when it didn't.
0: Yeah. And I heard it was Lloyd's or someone. It was some ridiculous number, like $12 million or something. They would have got back. But yeah, I yeah, heard that same. S- I,
1: but I've also heard <laughs> of other events that had a similar thing. They had or they thought they had pandemic and insurance. And they didn't. And they either didn't or you know, the, the venues weren't as amicable with them as they were with us. And if the venue was saying, Oh no, come still have your event. Then the insurance carriers like, Oh, they'll let you have the event. Like not our fault. So yeah, those people that are maybe, were maybe like sleeping easy because they thought they had pandemic insurance didn't. So, you know, it's not dissimilar from other.
0: Yeah. I'm just insurance things. You look at CES getting canceled and they rent the entire Las Vegas convention center. They rent the Sands they, I mean, it's, it's massive. So I, I don't know what the CEA hit was, or if they're so big, then just say, uh, we're coming back next year. You better take care of me or else. I, 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 that's where a bevy of lawyers get involved. But anyway, I'm glad you guys didn't get hurt. Um, I know that, you know, you're hurt that you can't have the event, but, um, you know, there's always some financial impact, but you know, at least you're, at least you guys are still in business and that's, you know, that's, in my opinion, a good thing that we didn't, you know, I was thinking, you know, initially, are we going to have to do, you know, some more fundraisers? Are we going to have to go out and do, you know, something to help some of these events if they get hurt? And I don't know if that's going to be the case. You know, no, no one's talked about it and I'm glad you did. So I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's obviously the biggest fear is what if we do have to cut this biggest, uh, this big check, right? You know, for us, it would have been over half a million dollars, just right. straight check with nothing in return. <laughs> just, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Hilton, here you go. Oh, um, God. And that's something that yep. is like obviously pretty. Like, okay, what do we do? Do we sell the company so that someone else can run it, and you know, or do we, or I guess it would be give away the company in exchange right. for not having to, you know, absorb that? Yeah. Or do we, you know, try to figure out, you know, bankruptcy thing and how does <laughs> so like those are conversations that we are lucky not not to have. But again, not everyone has has escaped that without doing.
0: It. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and that's so. Here's the question to you: okay, You you know you've been doing this for seven years. Do you think this is fundamentally going to change events forever?
1: Um, I mean forever is a long time, but I certainly think it's fundamentally going to change things um short term, and there's probably certain things that will fundamentally change. Like I think there will be people that for the rest of our lifetime are going to want to wear masks at an event even when, you know, things are are better. I think there's some people that maybe wanted to anyways. I mean, we see other countries where anytime right. there's large gatherings, people wear masks. So I think there's some level of that where people are just going to feel safer doing that. But on the flip side, that kind of thing will become the norm. I think, like just like in those other countries, oh sure, that person wears a mask, but it's not that big of a deal because you know they feel good and we feel good. Um, but I mean, I don't know. The hard thing is because I, we were so in the weeds of the planning of the event, if it were to go on, like with what those measures would be, yeah. And it was just crazy. Uh, you know, the 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 seating would have had to be like every sixth seat or something like that. So you know, a room that normally sat 600 would sit 100 or less because there's all different like vertical distancing and horizontal distancing. So, you know, when, when we started doing some of that math, that started saying that this wasn't going to be, you know, a viable thing to, to do anyways. Um, so, you know, I don't know if in 2021 if we're going to have to sit every other seat uh, or, or something like that. Like, hope not. Like, I'd love for things to go back to normal, but maybe there's less buffets at events. Uh, maybe there's less buffets overall in general. So, you know, when you start looking at some of those types and extensions of changing the event, like there'll be some things. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's just going to be, you know, crazy 50 for 50 percent capacity in rooms forever going forward.
0: You know, what, uh, 35 years ago when I was in Japan a lot and on the trains, you, you know, you saw people with masks all the time and you, you the, the thought then 35 years ago is, well, they're polite. They're not feeling well. They've got a mask on they're they're, you know, they're being polite. And, uh, so it's really strange how it's become so decisive, but anyway, it's because people just really haven't had too much exposure outside the United States and don't understand how masks are pretty prevalent, especially in Asia. And they're really prevalent in Asia, depending on where you go. So Rob, I know you got some questions. Go ahead. I'm hogging the, hogging the mic here. I just wanted to kind of dive
2: into an area around, um, you know, it a little bit dovetails off of what Todd just asked you about is, um, are, the, are are the changes that we're seeing here going going to be a, a little bit more permanent from the standpoint of that there's always going to be a certain amount of people that are just going to not come to events um just because of the of the risk and they're going to expect be able to get access to a virtual event that's part of it and i'm starting to wonder i'm hearing from people at other other virtual events that are as those events are getting a little better, that people are saying, well, you know, there's some aspects of these virtual events that are better than, than the real world events. I just wonder, Dan, if, you're, if you guys are thinking about as you roll out this event in 2021, is there going to be a stronger component on the virtual side? Because you've invested in this stuff, you're much more knowledgeable about it. And maybe that expands the reach of the, of, of the brand podcast movement beyond just the borders of a physical uh, location um, that you guys can grow that show to be a much larger event um, than just expecting people to, to fly into to Nashville.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when we talked about how the, how the event industry is going to change, I certainly think from the event production and, and hosting standpoint, that's what you just said is, is 100% going to happen. So we already, as we were searching for platforms for this event, right we're thinking like, how is this going to translate? Like, can we use the same platform for, you know, we, we all call it the hybrid model approach, but just, ha- you know, partially virtual, partially in-person. Um, you know, is this platform that we're, we're we're choosing going to be something that we can use in that way going forward? Um, because yeah, you know, last year we streamed one stage from Podcast Boom and that was our first year to stream anything, um, mainly mm-hmm. because just like of the hotels charges to, you know, get dedicated bandwidth lines. It's not worth, you know, an extra $30,000 for one one hardwire line to stream. Um, but I think it's going to be a give and take going forward. I think a lot of times the venues now are going to see that as something, you know, that's not necessarily a, a revenue center for them, but those venues are going to say, oh, like all events are hybrid now. So we have right. to provide, you know, better bandwidth for these event organizers to do these. These hybrid events, and yeah, absolutely, that's something we're we're thinking about. Is yeah, maybe it, yeah, Todd, Todd's pumping his fist. The um, Todd's excited. Yeah, maybe about that. that's something that rolls down through the, uh, the exhibitors and everything else. But uh, but yeah, I think for sure, what you know, your your question is, will this affect um you know, the ability to consume events going forward from a distance? And, and absolutely, I mean, I think you know it, this has forced us to now learn how to do events virtually. And this knowledge and this research and these teams we're building to do these, the, this virtual production, um, I see no reason why it would be, you know, we wouldn't keep it in place and keep those learnings and then try to have a, a, a more um, accessible event for anyone all over the world. Uh, that, that's what we've, you know, we've kind of tasked the team with is, okay, let's not look at this situation of being, you know, remote, and have our, our, our whole business kind of turned upside down. Let's not look at it as a negative and just kind of twiddle our thumbs until we can do the event again. But let's see not only what can we put in place short term that's going to bridge the gap from both a business perspective but also community building perspective. Not only what can we put in place to do that, but also out of those things put in place, like what what can we do long term with those? And I think absolutely learning how to do virtual events that will then translate to you know making those in person events hybrid. Uh, it's something that will we'll, we'll hopefully pay dividends in the long run.
0: You know, one thing that, um, you know, you just hit the nail on the head. I was talking with a buddy of mine out in Phoenix and his business, you know, he transitioned a couple of years ago to where, as an example, they would be um, at an event. Um, there would be, let's say, three, three session rooms. They'd have three cameras in there and they had a little transcoder box and they pumped that video back to Phoenix, no matter where that event was at. And then the team in Phoenix actually did the live production for the online audience and did the switching and all the graphics. And so they didn't have to be at the convention center, but the people who were at the convention center were. But still, he was telling me, he's just like, uh, you know, the bill to put in like 10 dedicated lines to get 720p, which is about three megs up to get that was like 100 grand. And he said, you know, we can do this, but the venues are being so, they just, that's just a revenue center for them. And, you know, I think about my time at CES, when we were doing CES and doing live during our life, the first couple of years I had to pay for the bandwidth. And finally, when I proved myself with CEA, they said, okay, we'll take care of the bandwidth for you. And that relieved like $15,000 on my overhead to be able to have a single stupid line that was less equivalent of what I have here in this office that I pay $99 a month for. And, um, it was, it was just, and it hardly ever worked because the infrastructure and then, you know, long story short, finally, after many, many years of complaining and screaming and, you know, complaining to the CEA they they finally fixed it at LVCC. And now I have a dedicated 15 meg up line. I get enough IPs. We've learned all those lessons, but it took us years. So I think what you're going to run into, and this is because we, we basically worked, all us live folks worked so hard with the CEA and said, listen, I'm, I'm dropping off. I'm, you know, th- this is this, I'm pushing three megs. I'm supposed to have 15 and it's not working. And, and finally they made it a priority and fixed it. So for like the five, last three to five years, things have been pretty much fixed at LVCC as far as bandwidth goes, because they finally got it. I'm going to have 50,000 people watching a live stream. You know, the value that the CEA is going to getting to make sure my bandwidth works was huge. Now, you, I'm going to tell you, when you guys are talking to Nashville and if you're going to be doing this, I mean, you need to be like, you will guarantee me this or you will pay me. I, I, I would be... I'd be hardcore with them because it never works. They never fully realize the bandwidth requirements that you're going to need.
1: Yeah, we've definitely pushed six-figure bills for bandwidth yeah. before. And, and it's funny because we tell people that and they're like, oh, the Wi-Fi sucked at your event. It's like, well, you know, the, these venues have their built-in infrastructure. Some of it's great, some of it's not, but yep. you have no choice. I mean, there are external companies yep. that will come out and put a tower on top of a, a convention center or hotel sometimes um if they'll allow it if the hotels will allow it often they won't yeah but you're still paying paying for that too so um yeah yeah finger, fingers crossed i mean and this is one of the things like rob had pulled up the website earlier of the nashville venue Um I mean, it's one of the things going with some of these newer venues in nashville we're at the gaylord uh, opry land right there a lot of the newer venues um you know they were built kind of in the modern age. So nothing had to be retrofitted. They were built for right um, higher speed dedicated lines or, more, more uh, you know, outputs or inputs or whatever you want to call them around the room. So you're not running. That's the other issue is a lot of these old hotels, they're running lines from, you know, a 800 closet. feet. <laughs> yeah. A closet that, you know, two levels above or something, and they're dropping them through the ceilings and running them down hallways. So, um,
0: yeah, there was, was, uh, there was an event I attended at the wind. In Vegas, where they had a hospitality room set up for media types like me. And they put in um, 100, let me get this right, 100 gig up and down, guaranteed 100 gig. It cost that event coordinator a quarter of a million dollars to have that line run in just for four days to get 100 megs. Now, some of you in the homes had, so, and this was just less than 10 years ago. So they made money on that, but that's how much it costs to run that bandwidth to the suite. And it they had to run a, a wired up the side of the wind, right up the side of the building. <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not a short hotel either. No, not a short hotel, and we're in a suite. So you you know it's. So I think these venues, and maybe what you're gonna find is that you're gonna have to offload four or five of these streams into some other production house and. But then you're going to incur costs there. That's not going to be cheap either. So, um, I see a few tricasters in your in in your life coming up, Dan. So <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, Todd, I've got up on the screen a a really cool photograph of the of the Gaylord Hotel. I've actually been been to this hotel before, and it's a it's a beautiful venue, Dan. Just, this is this is this is going to be pro- probably the best. Uh, and the venue this event has ever been to.
1: Yeah, definitely the best venue. I think anyone that's been to a Gaylord kind of knows that they're uh, first class uh, hotels, often expensive. You know, one of the things when we're venue searching, few different, we talk about this every year and every year it gets a little more difficult. But one is very few hotels are, are big enough to hold our group sizes now. Either they don't have enough meeting space for all our different breakouts or they don't have enough sleeping rooms um, for our attendees to stay at. So um, a lot of hotels are just, off our off our potential venue list. Um we still don't really want to do the convention center thing, so that's kind of off the list. Um but then a lot of these hotels like like a lot of the Gaylords, they cost 350 dollars a right. night. And for our attendees, that's you know not what we're going for. We're we're trying to keep it right, right around that two hundred dollar night level. You know, it's not gonna be a motel six, but it's also, you know, not going to be the win or something like that. Yep, so yep. trying to find that middle point. Um so we've Looked at Gaylords before and, and, and all that. This is the first time we've actually been able to get a, a contract uh, for room night costs. That's reasonable right around that $200 a night level. Um, super excited about that. And yeah, it's a great venue, Rob. You said you've been there already, but the, the Gaylords yep. are, are first class. Um, the meeting space is cool. Um, that picture you showed, it's, you know, everything's glass ceilings, atrium. Feels like you're, you know, you're outside. Uh, yeah, we're 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 super excited about that. And you know, we didn't even get a good deal from there because we signed it during the pandemic. This is something, you know, we've signed the contract on a couple of years ago. So just lucky enough to get a really good contract, good good internet. You you I hopefully uh, you can appreciate Todd. We're starting right. to write those into the contracts <laughs> instead of just taking what, what we get uh, when right. we show up. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's gonna
0: be fun. So Tom we, Tom Webster says one thing I'm planning for at least two of the days of PM, I'm checking into a hotel. And booking myself as out of the office those days, being fully present has been a real issue for me, at least at these virtual events. And I want to be in attendance for PM mentally as much as I can. I think that's a hell of a good idea. I, I really do. And you know, thanks, Tom, for saying that because you know maybe this will answer another question too because Doug says, "How would you do a virtual vendor booth?" So I, I would probably. I think what I'm going to do is my team is whoever's going to man the the virtual vendor booth, we'll get them a hotel room so they can be focus no no mom no dad no kids so that they can be focused as someone comes to the virtual vendor booth so how how does the virtual vendor booth stuff going to work at this virtual event
1: yeah so it's pretty cool again as we look through platforms we kind of we wanted to take into account not what the experience was only going to be like for attendees or only for speakers or only for exhibitors but try to find something that was uh, pretty all-encompassing um and this this exhibitor booth is the same way so uh, you know it's got the ability to when an attendee shows up to a booth. you can kind of you know see who the staff member is that that's working that booth text chat them you can hop on a video chat with them if you want. Um, the other cool thing about this platform is it allows exhibitors to uh, set up demos. They can either be live demos that you know are zoom calls for the for the um, for the exhibitor, but then the attendees can join in and chat and, and kind of consume the demo. As if you were able to set up a demo at your booth uh, in an in-person event, have a sign that said, hey, on Tuesday at 2 p.m. we're doing a demo of this new feature. Oh. So people will be able to go to those exhibitor pages and see, oh, here's all the different demos that this um, exhibitor has scheduled. They can add it to their schedule and they show up from their standpoint. It's like they're showing up for another session, um, but it's all you know right there on the exhibitor page and they can schedule those. Um, they can be, like I said, Zoom call demos where they're live. Or the exhibitor can submit you know a video demo and it will still air or go live at that scheduled time so that they could be in the chat room answering questions if they wanted to, but it's just a pre-recorded video playing. Right. So super flexible from that standpoint. That was something we definitely wanted was the exhibitors the ability to schedule you know quote unquote demo sessions that were on their schedule. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is that this has a very much this platform has very much has like a um, like team management backend where you have your staff members and then you have, like I said, a, a really sophisticated meeting scheduling or call scheduling, um, program where it, where it almost like a, an acuity scheduling or, uh, some of those websites where you, you know, people can see all your availability and find mutual time. Um, I mean, it's got that built into it. And then whoever's booth manager or the exhibitor manager can assign those times to different members of their teams. So they That's can say, cool. Oh, this is a, a new podcaster. So we're going to assign that to our new podcaster person, or this is, you know, a uh, corporation so we're gonna sign this to that person so pretty good kind of exhibitor management there um, one thing it's not is like little avatars that stand at little cartoon avatars that stand at the booth we've um we demo those and those are those are a little silly um, kind of <laughs> funny looking but but the all the design and development go into um you know crafting these little characters and not so much into the actual experience uh, of both sides so it's not that um the other thing it's not some people might like this but we heard one exhibitor who uh was doing a virtual event and every single exhibitor had a green screen and they would literally stand at the camera at their booth just in front of the green screen waiting for people to come to their booth like all day like that was what they did so it was they were trying to recreate the real virtual right. or the real exhibitor booth but i don't know to me it's like standing in front of a green screen looking right. at your computer like for for all day if nobody shows up or people show up every few minutes it, it, it seemed strange. like I said I some people might like that and if you're like you've got physical products that you want to hold up and show people in real time, might be good. Um, but yeah so anyways some of the stuff is restricted to what the platform allows but yeah that's the overall thing is a lot again a lot of it um, a lot of it's focused on the ability to have team members interacting or you know scheduling meetings with people. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, you know, we, we, think it's a good, um, kind of a good balance for attendee and exhibitor engagement.
0: I played around with second life after I hadn't been there in about 10 years and built a little like presentation place and did everything just as a little experiment. And then I got to thinking about it. I said, this is cool, but the the up ramp to get someone in, get them set up, get them into the virtual center is just, it's probably too much. It can't be this difficult. It had been cool to be able to do it. And we've done it in the past many years before. And, uh, and you know, after about a week of thinking how it would work in there, I said, forget it. And I let my, my rent expire and all my stuff disappeared into the digital ether, but it's yeah, that, uh, virtual avatar stuff, unless you have this whole community that's already there, it don't make any sense. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah. And then to Tom's, I, you know, idea about take the time off, block the time off on the calendar like that. You know, if, if people can do it, that was one of the reasons why we spread, you know, spread the event over two weeks and Tuesday and Thursday is we thought it might be easier for people to block off a couple days, two weeks in a row then, you know, a giant block of time yeah. during one week. So hopefully that allows people, maybe it's, you know, maybe they just pick two days once they see the schedule to block off, or maybe they had the ability to block off all four of the conference days. Um, but yeah, we, we, we hope that that's something that, you know,
0: helps not hurt. I was telling Rob before the, uh, meeting or for the our show started today, I just said, dude, I'm crushed. I'm just I feel like I've had a thumb on me for since March. And uh I so I-, I need a damn vacation. So I you know, there's no really no place to go but stay home or, you know, go check yourself in a hotel room and go swim in the pool or something. I and it's just uh
1: good rates right now.
0: You know, oh, yeah, oh yeah. It's great. But you know, I I I worry about my team. I it's, it's, they're all home. They're not going to get in this social interaction. It's just, I'm afraid about burnout and everything else. It's, it, it's tough. I think it's, I think, you know, we're, we're doing fine. Everyone's working. It's, yeah, but oh, Zoom. Well, and also, Todd, if, like if I could like have a week off from Zoom, my God, it'd be great.
2: <laughs> I mean, like you were saying earlier, Todd, too, it, it, the, yes. there's not as many flights as there used to be either. So that's, that's going to be another challenge. Um, I don't. It depends on how far or how quickly the the airlines come back too. So that might have a restriction on on how many people can can fly into the Nashville and, and go to this. I have a big question mark of of how many people will actually um, go to an in person event. I mean, even in the possibility of the of the summer. I I I just I mean, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not people's willingness to go to a, a real world, you know, in-person event, um, it, it is going to ramp up slowly or if people are just going to jump on the bandwagon. I don't, Dan, do you have any indication on if you think that your, your attendance might be, you know, significantly reduced because people are just have gotten in the habit of not doing this?
1: I mean, we're you know twelve months away, so I have no idea if it'll be reduced because this thing's still going on in some way, shape, or form, or if right. it's going to be spiked because everyone's so you know hungry, pent to, up, and wanting to get want out. out, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at some point, some point, this is going to have some semblance of passing, and some event organizer is going to be re- rewarded because people yeah. are going to then finally break free, and and, and that's going to be the event people converge on. So, you know, I right. don't know. NAB? Is it podcast movement? Is it podcast movement, you know, twenty twenty-three? Like there, there's so many unknowns, obviously. Um, my one kind of anecdotal, you know, thought is I remember a few, not a few years ago, when we first started podcast movement twenty fourteen, when we were looking at venues, so many of the venues had like these virtual meeting rooms. Like they had converted these in-person ballrooms to a bunch of little virtual meeting rooms. Then they were like, oh. You know, people don't want to travel anymore. They just want to meet virtually with each other. So we've put all these rooms with cameras and all of this in there. (laughs) And then, um, and then, and and we weren't even, like, there were so many hotels. Like, if you guys remember, we booked that venue only a few months before the event. And now, Mm -hmm. not now, but before the pandemic hit, booking a hotel a few months before an event was, was like, there was not a chance. Like, the event industry was booming so much. And they had, since then, over the course of the last five or six years, ripped out all of those digital meeting rooms, those virtual meeting rooms, because people were doing everything throughout the year virtually that when event time came, they wanted to actually be in the same room um, with those people. So, you know, I, I see that and it, it's obvious not exactly but it's similar to me of like, people at that point were tired of everything being virtual and wanted to have those opportunities to get together. And, you know, right. I think at some point, We'll reach that same, you know, that same feeling here. I just don't know when that'll be.
0: Well, if sign me, I'll be in line for vaccine immediately. You get yours and then we're, we're going to hug. <laughs> okay. <God>. So <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to hug. We're going to have a mass hug, you know, but no, it's, it's, I, I think um, right. uh, it's, and here's what's, we don't have I to. don't want
2: to shake your hand
0: here. <laughs> here's what we really know is we can already see it. People are already. Oh, they're, they're, they're looking for that social interaction. That's why when they've opened States up and right. opened bars up, that's why there's 300 people in the bar because they've all been, you know, they've all been locked down in their house. They don't care. They've had enough, you know? So, um, you know, we can talk about that for an hour, but I, I think in person, I think as soon as they figure this out and I can go get a, you know, I know there's anti-vaxxers out there, you guys, you know, do what you're going to do, but, um, I was in the Navy for 25 years. I had no choice. I got every shot known to man, including anthrax. So I can handle another vaccine. Um, I, I I'm getting a vaccine and I'm going to be, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a social. Yeah. I am going to get one too. There's Immediately, no you know, as yeah. soon as I can get one and, you know, after the first responders and, you know, wait, my turn, t- wait, my time in t- the line, but yeah, we're going to be back together. It's going to be bigger than ever. It I will be so. bigger I mean, than ever. Like
1: you said, we're all thirsty for oh, it. We all just like are dying.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, and it might be an
2: opportunity too here, Dan, if you can scale this virtual event to be much bigger and a larger group of people come into the virtual event than go to the real world event, maybe that'll that'll be almost like a marketing um test for people engaging in the community and, and will be more likely to come out to a, to a real world event in the long run. Who knows? Maybe the next time you have a real world event, your, your attendance will double or something. I mean, who knows? Yeah, right.
0: And there's going to be a segment that's not going to want to come out. So. Right. But, you know, they, they won't. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. 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 There, there, there's no telling so many unknowns with a whole lot of things going on. That that's certainly one of them. But, um, yeah, like you said, Rob, kind of building that, that foundation for the virtual event, whether it's uh, a recurring virtual event or whether it you know is a lessons mm-hmm. learned and tools put in place for um, you know future hybrid event for forever, uh, something's going to come of it. Good, we'll we'll make sure of that.
2: Since you are going to be doing the world's largest virtual podcasting event, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Dan's not laughing. <laughs>
1: no, you know, uh, yeah, I mean. You know, we've we've uh for the past four or five years you know, been able to say that the in person event was the largest yeah, right. uh conference. So um yeah. you know, we have no reason to think that when when we do it virtually that won't be the similar result. Right.
2: Are you gonna call Guinness? <laughs> yeah. I'm not
1: uh I'm not familiar with, with Guinness Records. I think the um when I go to the dentist, the book's on the, the table, the Guinness World Record book and I have fun flipping through the um, Guinness record books. I think if there's something in there, I think Adam Kroll is in there at one point for the most downloaded podcast. I think I, he's definitely not
0: that he's definitely not the King anymore.
1: Not the King anymore, but um, yeah, the more uh, podcast content Guinness record book at the dentist's office, the better, as far as I'm concerned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I think the, you know, we're joking aside. I hope they do well with that, but um, it's, yeah. I don't know. I just, I was, I was talking with a gal recently and, you know, from a sponsorship standpoint, it, it's, it's tough because you're still going to have, you're using this virtual package. It doesn't sound like it's inexpensive. It sounds like a, you know, and, and I'm not going to ask it to say how much it was, but I'm sure it's five figures or more. Yep. And um, so you got fixed costs to do that. But then, you know, I look at it from a perspective of and we've talked about this many, many times. Yeah, we can be there and we can wave the flag and everything. But at some point I have to justify back to how many, you know, what, what did we accomplish from that? How much did, did we make any money? Did we sign up any new people? And, um, you know, those are metrics I have to answer to my board of directors for. So, you know, we've been hard. You know, there's a couple of events that we wanted to support and they were asking as much for sponsorship at their virtual event as they were for their live event. And I said, I just, I just can't justify it. Um, and it's, you know, you guys are in a good position cause you've got great numbers already, but someone that's doing a small event and there's two, mm-hmm. 300 people maybe show up, you know, I can't write a $5,000 check for 300 people. I can write a, I can write a $5,000 check for 3000 people, yep. you know, or whatever that number is, but, or 2000 or what, but I can't do it for 300. So, and I understand that there's cost with all this stuff. So it's not, I, I don't envy, you know, the position you're in at this point, I mean, you know, cause it's, it's, it's harder.
1: Yeah. But I mean, it's, you know, it's like you said, the, there are fixed costs, but they're not as high as the in-person events. Right. Um, right. you know, we have a production staff
0: and that costs money, gonna, and you know, everything.
1: that costs money, but we don't have to pay their hotels and their travel and all that. So, you know, there, there, there's trade-offs and, you know, so, from our perspective we want to make sure that we you know make enough with it to to keep the lights on and keep the team fed and um you know support support the team members and hopefully provide some value to the same community and and maybe hopefully reach even more people than we would at the in-person event um so sure there's you know revenue goals and and profit goals but you know it's also um you know there there's there's other value like like rob said maybe we'll bring a whole bunch of new people into the fold next year we'll come to the in-person so yeah, lots of different moving pieces and not just any one metric. That's our, you know, primary focus. Um, but I think, you know, we, we joke about the, the biggest conference, the numbers and all of that. Um, with the virtual event, at least as far as, you know, our, our design goes, the more people involved, um, the better. So, right. you know, price, prices, prices right. are lower, but we're hoping that balances out more people mm-hmm. being able to come. Um, right. prices are lower for the virtual booths than, you know, significantly lower than our in-person booth, like, cause we agree with you. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Um. So we're hoping we can get more people involved there. So, I mean, it's definitely a numbers game. And we think the more people involved, the more value everyone will get. The yeah. more people sitting in the sessions for the speakers, the more valuable, yeah. yep. you know, their time's going to be. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, we joke about the numbers and stuff, quantities, but that, that's important for the virtual event model.
2: So as you are wor- working with these, these technology platforms, um, providing this virtual experience, are you um, getting... Uh, previews into what these platforms are doing to improve the experience and to improve the interaction to, you know, I mean, are we going to see these virtual platforms be a hundred percent better um, than they are right now, just in a year? Are they like rapidly, you know, improving? And do you think, I mean, after looking at so many of these platforms, where do you think we are in, in the development of the technology side of being able to create these virtual experience and have people? actually want to show up and attend and participate and and get something more out of it because i am hearing people talk about virtual events and i think i mentioned this earlier that actually are starting to enjoy them better and so i think that there's an interesting kind of mix there's some people that maybe don't feel comfortable going to a real world event um, but they will a virtual event so i'm just wondering what's your thought dan about what you've seen in the development of the technology platforms
1: yeah, I mean, I think they're all going to get better because a lot of them didn't exist six months ago. So a lot of right. them, you, you know, you can tell as soon as you hop in, they'll demo you a bunch of features. But then when you go to actually, like, get pricing, they list off all those features they just showed you aren't actually available yet. Those are on the, you know, the, right. the beta the test the demo list, yeah. unit or whatever you want to call it. Um, The other yeah. interesting thing we're seeing is, like, you know, in March and April when we started, you know, recognizing that we would have to do some level of, of hybrid virtual approach to our in-person event, we got certain quotes, and then in you know July, when we go back to them and try to take them up on some of those offers, um, the prices have all tripled and quadrupled. So um, mm. I think there's an evolution in the features, the technology, and they're also evolving their their pricing structures and charging more. Um, I feel like a lot of those prices will will pull back once they realize they're not the only show in town, and then once people start going to in-person events again, those virtual like we talked about with the the wire the internet at the venues. Like they'll come back down to earth. I think a lot of these platforms are pricing will come back down to earth as well. Um, but yeah, the evolution of those platforms is happening. Um, there's only so much you can do with a virtual event, you know, so there are certain things that, you know, that I think development will at some point kind of hit a wall, be as awesome as it can be. Um, and maybe the, the speeds are faster or maybe the, you know, the, the graphics are better or the transitions are smoother. Like those things I think will continue to evolve, but there's only so many things I think you can do in a virtual environment. Um and then talking about the value and some people seeing extra value in the virtual event that maybe they don't see in the in person event. Um I certainly think that's the case in terms of kind of cost benefit analysis. Like if you're paying ninety nine dollars and that's it for mm-hmm. a four week event like what our ticket prices. Um compared to, you know, a couple hundred dollars for the ticket plus a couple hundred dollars a night for the hotel room, plus, you know, hundreds, if not a thousand dollars for travel. You know, right. some people are going to say, "Okay, it's not the same experience." But versus, you know, the time away and the the mm-hmm. investment and all of that, maybe that is better. So, you know, some people, or or maybe it's the lifestyle thing. Maybe people do appreciate being able to, you know, do it do the conference on the couch while they're holding their baby or something like that. Like, there's things that you couldn't do at the in person event. Maybe you still feel mm-hmm. like you're still getting that same value from the sessions or from the the education. Um. So, I, yeah, I I think that that um you know interesting that some people are able to to get more value out of the virtual event. Uh the other thing we we looked at when we decided to build this virtual event from the ground up is you know what are these experiences that um maybe are are difficult to come by at the in person event that we make better at the virtual event. And one example I give is you know if you're going to a 3 or 4,000 person in person podcast movement conference um you know, you might be able to schedule meetings ahead of time with people you already know. Uh, you might bump shoulders or cross paths in the hallway with somebody whose name you recognize, and you're putting a face to the name. Um, but one of the things that, that's difficult is to identify out of that sea of thousands of people who the good leads are, if you're an exhibitor, or who the good connections are, if you're an attendee trying to do a certain thing. Like, it's so overwhelming. There's all these people. How do you hunt down the right person to have a conversation with? to talk to or schedule a meeting with um so that's why on this platform that we picked it's you know super sophisticated with the matchmaking and and using people's you know profile data and exhibitors profile data to match up the right people to meet with each other and connect with each other when otherwise they wouldn't be able to or wouldn't have that opportunity at the in-person event so we think things like that we'll be able to capitalize on and then again as we talk about hybrid events hybrid approach approaches Maybe that software, maybe this technology we're using to do this virtually is something that can be layered in to the in-person event. So people are together, but also have that, you know, we have that tool in place now to match people up ahead of time. So we're not just relying on chance encounters at network events. People are actually able to, you know, connect to the right people ahead of time and actually meet in person. So yeah, all of those things are are kind of swimming around and and things we, we hope to make the most of as we do it virtually.
0: So here's something to think of, and it's something actually I got roped into a couple weeks ago i got a green screen here in the studio got all this great tech you know i don't use half of it half the time and i had a person come and say hey i'm presenting at an event can i come in and can you green screen me can you put this behind me can you switch out the slides can you put in these fly-ins and so i'm like "Huh, ding, yeah there's a little business here i'm like yeah if you and he's just doing an hour presentation Got it all set up. He came in we queued, keyed him in, got him all set. I told him where he could walk in the in the room. The room's not that big and when he did his presentation, it looked like he was on a keynote stage, and the audience was like wow they they, they were they were captivated more about this virtual it didn't look virtual it looked like he was on a keynote stage doing a keynote and All he was doing was making a presentation, but we actually made him look really, 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 really good. So for me, I'm kind of like, man, we're going to, when I start doing some more events, I'm going to start doing that same methodology because I think from a presenter standpoint, we got to up our game here. You know, so Rob and I both have pretty decent backgrounds to our rooms and, you know, you're in your, in your space right now. But I think as presenters, when they're starting to do presentations at these virtual events, because we are virtual, we, we need to start up on our games as presenters to make ourselves look better. So that's something that I'm right. really going to focus on. And I know, Rob, you invested in equipment, some, you know, some different stuff to make yourself look better as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going right. to be as big of a uh, importance for these virtual events is anything else because when we're in an event, we got a big screen, we got the clicker, we, you know, we're able to pace a little bit, cue in on the audience. You're not going to have that. So you're going to have to really, you know, if you really want to have an effective presentation and keep people's attention. Right. It's got to be
2: visually enticing. It has too, to I be know.
0: visually enticing yeah. to keep, because maybe I get boring and they say, well, look at what, what's those eyeballs below the red Bull sign. <laughs> what, what I've had more people ask about what that is. Well, what that is, is just, I'm triggering you to like you're listening but you're also saying what are those eyes below the red bull sign so I think we we as presenters have to up our game as well and there's probably going to be a whole industry we're all stuck in our houses cuz you can't you can't buy a webcam you can't all this stuff has been sold out for months so I think there's going to be a whole industry in doing virtual presentations and, and looking good sounding good you have stuff up there that you know you have to be able to give your best because what if you're in a virtual what if you're in a zoom meeting and or, or whatever platform you're using you have to you have to look better than the platform you're on
1: yeah I mean there's a whole cottage in, popping up um if anyone wants to see something amazing go look at uh, Tony Robbins he did his first virtual event several weeks ago and um, rumors are that he spent seven figures on building out this this studio to be a virtual studio but it it is cool. It's um, it's 360 degree environment. And obviously he brought in camera people that were, right. you know, had those, I don't know what you call them, but those cameras that they follow him around with. And he had these giant wraparound screens like you would see at the, mm-hmm. the, um, the iMac right. movie theater or something. And they had like tens of thousands of little bitty faces all over from it, like a bunch of little zoom calls, gallery view or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he had people like dancing and they would bring them on the, on the screen and stuff. Um, you know, it's a typical Tony Robbins kind right. of high energy event. They were able to recreate virtually, and you know when you have that much money, they, I think they had twenty thousand people that all spent you know four to five figures to be there. Um, it's easy to invest a in, you know a million bucks right, in right. uh in the production standpoint. So I certainly think that um there's there's people and a bunch of you know what what we would call influencers I guess who have those high ticket events and they're able to rent out studios and and maybe fly in their speakers uh to do some things. So yeah, there there's some really cool things that people are doing for the right you know, the right events yep. and the right audiences. Um, but, but for yeah, the- I mean, you know, these are things that we're having to consider all the way down to, you know, we're going to have over a hundred sessions and we're going to do tech check with each and every one of them. And we're going to not necessarily walk through the presentations, but you know, get our eyes on what their camera setup is yep. like, yep. what their microphone sa- sounds like. And if they're planning on running polls, like let's make sure that's incorporated and what they're, you know, if they need to share their screen, like make sure they know what they're doing. So, you know, there's, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call that a cottage industry, but our producers, our production teams who would normally would be running the soundboard in the breakout room are now running, you know, running a Zoom call and, and running tech tech for yep. that and stuff. So, um, you know, not necessarily, again, like a cottage industry, but there's roles for for these people. It's just different.
0: And I think it's just, um, I, I think even if you're listening to this and you're an average podcaster that's, you know, doing this out of your house and you're an indie and you don't want to spend too much money. You know, a lot of these software packages now are really keying, being able to do a key, a green screen key, almost on anything. And it's really remarkable you don't need a green screen anymore. But if you really want to just kind of bump it a little bit, just buy a simple green screen.
1: And it's not it, that expensive. No, they're not.
0: Yeah. You know, under $100. Hundred bucks, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They make
1: the ones mount on the back of your chair. though. So- you turn right. it with it, like the green screen stays with you. So you don't even have to paint a wall or hang something up.
0: Yeah. And, and another right. thing too, is you got to make sure it fits within the camera view. There's, you know, there's a few things you have to do, but at the same time, you can really make yourself look great and you, you can put yourself virtually in Hawaii or wherever you want to be on the beach or, um, it, it's, there's all kinds of options there. And, um, I Dan, think- are
2: you going to be with your keynotes or are you going to be asking your keynote? presenters to have a you know you know a keyed virtual background that kind of thing um at Um, all
1: i so i think virtual backgrounds when done right are great but a lot of people do them wrong (laughs) Wrong. i don't know if any of us have been on like uh (laughs) zoom calls where somebody's just messing around with the you know this space or something in the background or being in the jungle um so (laughs) yeah if if it's something that we feel comfortable like confident that we can do right then maybe um, but I'd rather see someone's catwalk background than to see a really bad <laughs> virtual, uh, you know, virtual background that fades in and out, like kind of like,
0: oh, or, or you've shirt. got, or you've got green bleed on the head or in the clothes. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so, mean, it can know, be, we'll, it, can we'll see be it
1: might be a case by case basis. Yeah. Um,
0: it can be a little bit technically,
2: uh, complicated. I know I, I tried to up my game too. I mean, Todd knows what I've been going through. I brought in studio lights and I have a big green screen and stuff. I've been playing around with this stuff too, trying to up my game. I got a high end camcorder that I'm using. Um, so it's just a matter of realizing where things are going. And if I'm going to be doing any kind of keynote as I look to the future, um, I want to be, be able to have that same kind of a professional look that I, I had up on stage at podcast movement. Right. I mean, cause you, you guys had amazing backgrounds you know stage presentation all that kind of stuff and and i, I think your event um should expect that so that's that's kind of why, why i asked the question and
1: yeah, you know, i think it's um oh, we, oh sorry but we we you know you talked about upping your game and stuff and i think as virtual event you know, continue for the time being that's a good pit as a speaker to say you know not only here's my topic here's my speaking right. experience but also here's my virtual conference speaking reel. Like not just here's what it looks like when I speak on stage at the event, but have a look at what my background looked like and what my audio sounds like and what my video sounds like and what my lighting is. Like all of those things like, you know, are are super important now. Whereas before we don't care what people's home office setup looks like, they're great (laughs) on stage. But now, you know, they need to have those skills that they are great on stage with, but then also be able to present in a great way virtually.
0: So and if you think about it, you just look at this room here, so we can see Rob's New media show, but, uh, in the background, yeah. you right. can see my GoDaddy thing right here. If I wanted to, I could put up a, a screen here that would say blueberry. So I think what you're also going to have to do, Dan is like, <laughs> Hey, uh, in your backgrounds, no pitching. Yeah. Cause you, cause yeah, you, cause point. I could drop an ad right back here for the whole presentation. Right. Yep. And I'm not speaking about it, but right. I'm, I'm average. I'm running an ad. So what or am I can doing put, right like, now? Your own lower third on. Or right. Like That's what I'm doing right now. I'm running a lower third. Yeah, I can turn that in, turn that off. So, you know, so this is, you know, because I've seen some stuff on some virtual events. I'm like, oh, that was smart. You know, he's got he's got a promo code on his monitor that he shows. He's got, you know, buy this and here's the promo code. And I'm like, okay, that was slick. Now, let me remember that. If I ever do have virtual speakers, tell them, okay, no no promotion within the in your screen area too.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a great point. Because <laughs> yeah, we, we all a, we all hey, have agendas. <laughs> yeah, Todd, I had a Coca-Cola
2: sign behind me here here in the past. I've. I've removed it because I didn't want to promote Coca-Cola. So that's that's a that's a, I mean it, that's kind of like your GoDaddy thing.
0: That's right. right. You need and Rob, you yeah. need you need the Lipson uh, e logo right. up there, right? Exactly. And I need a blueberry I, one here. So it's I was just
2: thinking about that, Todd. I need to add that.
0: Go ahead, I'll go tit to tat. Remember, I control. I control your your view. I can scrunch you down.
1: (laughs) You can turn on the blur background function.
0: That's right. I I've got I've got the control here. Believe me, I can I can make Rob go gray if I want to. So, (laughs) wow. (laughs) But no, no, I I. But you know that's you know that's something we have to think about this kind of stuff going forward because. In the end, no matter what, you know, your event, anybody else's event, we're, what we're trying to do, we're trying to educate new podcasters or existing podcasters, right. and right. not them have be distracted by some marketing message just going to be on the screen. You know, so we want we want to we want to train people and make them do podcasting for a long time because in the end, it, it helps all of us. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't even think about the ads in the in the camera <laughs> did you dan that was no but yeah. that's like uh, going on the going on the tech tech checklist and the speaker <laughs> agreement all of those things for sure some <laughs> people saying damn it todd yeah, this yeah. ruined it for me what, yeah, what you <laughs> tell every, them? yeah
1: every every chance people have an opportunity to take advantage of the situation they will i guess <laughs> that's, like that's, right. that's what i've learned like well i've learned
2: there's been examples of people getting up and presenting pitches too right oh, absolutely. so absolutely those yeah. are things where you've had a
0: here's policy a cool, around he, for for years. Here's the cool thing about a virtual event: you cut just them cut them, <laughs>
1: <laughs> pull the plug. Pull the plug. Oh, yeah, well, that's the other thing. Every 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 one of our rooms will have an MC who's there. If someone drops off, they'll they'll pop on. So yeah, we yeah. might uh, mysteriously
0: uh, lose <laughs> signal. All of a sudden, it's replaced by a boo. It's one of the sign podcast movement signs. Boo. Tem- yeah. t- technical difficulties. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Or you just got a guy there with a mash button that mashes and it cuts off his microphone, you know, and I, uh, <laughs> oh. yeah. thank you for attending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. but it's, it is, um, I think that that's, you know, my point being was, is after I had this guy in here and done his keynote, I was like, he actually, I hadn't even thought about it. So, you know, they, they called me cause they knew I had a green screen and I'm just like, yeah, we can do that. that. I'm thinking to myself, damn, that's a good idea. How come I haven't been doing that already? And I got a demo room too. So it's just, it, the, the the list goes on. So well, You really need a vacation, Todd. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what you need is another <laughs>
1: business. Up.
0: No, it's it's not. And uh, this is my play area. And I, I call this a boutique production studio, and someone looked at me, wrote, I'm in a town where bo- is, boutique is not a word you use. And, uh, you know, because that's considered to be like a hairdresser place or something like that. But no, this is a boutique video production studio. So um, yeah, you you, you have to arrive here with a big check if you want to play. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so I had some YouTuber so- come in and say, I want to use, I'm like, uh, no. Anyway, go ahead, Rob.
2: So, Dan, are you planning on any kind of surprises for us at the, at the Podcast Movement virtual event? Is there anything that you have up your oh. sleeve that <laughs> you um, want to share?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'll, you know, every year at the in-person event or, and the virtual event, you know, try to get some big names, some surprise names in there as keynote speakers that people like to see. I mean, we often those keynote spots just kind of, um, you know, draw people's interest and be general general information. So it'd be fun to get some bigger names in there. Um, you know, there's some keynote speakers that uh basically have said, hey, our, our speaker fee is the same virtually and not. Uh so, you know, there's there's still that um you know, that challenge of, of people you know, they have to make money too. They used to make money speaking in person, now they're making money speaking digitally. So we've got stuff like that. But we're you know, we're hoping that the uh barrier being being removed for people having to travel and take time off work or take time off whatever it, else, uh, it is they do to be able to join us virtually might open some additional doors. So, yeah, I'm not yeah, no 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 promises of big big surprises or anything, but uh, you know, promises of hopefully a, a super well-run event that everyone leaves with a lot of a lot of value and good times.
0: Now, because I am controlling the screen, I get to do something here to you, Dan. So, what about this? <laughs> oh, Todd, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no that's a good question we've um yeah we actually uh you know conversation started to get real serious about get um plan in place to bring back the hall of fame ceremony and then all of this hit a lot of those plans kind of uh you know got put on hold but um you know for anyone who asked a while back the, the hall of fame is not going away it's not been acquired or absorbed or sucked into anything it's still something that we you know feel very strongly about um, but especially with all this virtual stuff going on, um, kind of feel like it needs to be done the right way. And I'm not sure that, you know, virtual, virtual is the right way. So yeah, so right now I don't have any plans or any announcements to do that virtually. Um, yeah, but we, there are conversations going on to, to try to bring it back in a, in a meaningful way. And that's why it not happened in several years is because we didn't have the ability to do it in a meaningful way. And that was the, um, Yeah. That was the goal was to make the hall of fame a really meaningful thing. And we didn't want to just do it kind of, um, just to do it.
0: So I, I do hope that when we do re or when you do re-engage it, that you do a catch up year. I think that makes for sure. Yeah. it Um, does.
1: And the awards, uh, we don't, we're done with the awards. We, (laughs) we tried the awards. We've talked about it before. It was, um, a lot of work and not a lot of thanks, um, and a lot of money and not a lot of, um, you know, return. So, uh, we we tried the award thing and it was, um, you know, interesting. We, we put on good productions, but, uh, we felt like others, uh, could carry the the baton and Todd, you get, uh, the thankless task to do it every year. Well, well, and I know Rob's involved with doing a new version of it. So, um, definitely think it's important and I definitely think there's a place for it, but we didn't want to be the ones to do it any longer.
0: Yeah. I, I had a drama free year for the podcast awards until this morning. And, uh, I was informed, one of our participants, and I was provided some history and some information. And we have this clause in the podcast awards that basically um, um, the spirit of the podcast awards. And I had to disqualify someone this morning because they fell outside really the spirit of the podcast awards. I don't do that lightly. It's the first time we've ever disqualified someone after the slate announcement. I had really no choice. I won't go into who, what, or where, but, um, you can't know everything about every show. It's just almost impossible. And then when you're provided information and your, your eyeballs get big and you're like, I don't need to be on CNN tonight. So, um, yeah, we had to disqualify a participant today.
2: Can you Sounds share like what, it, what the
0: general infraction was? I'm just curious. Racism. Ah, okay. Got it. So not a good time for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And it, and it probably will make for another topic on the next show, Rob. We'll be able to I'll be able to, to dive drive into deeper and some of the inherent problems that are going on because of what's going on and how I came to my decision, but uh not for today. Right. Okay. But you know, that's you know that's one of those things that happens and uh, you know what can you do you just uh, you know you, you, and we have no budget you already know that it's it's a you know there's like three people they're involved in this and it's you know two of them are one is the audit company and the audit company would have never recognized what was going on and another person and me so it's not mm-hmm. like we have a budget for this thing it's not like there's a team and right. you know Dan you already figured out how much it costs to do these events and do them right and it's hard.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, I think we're at the bottom of the hour, oh, Todd. Oh my goodness, it. we are. We are. And coming coming out, kind of going off on a sour note, but a more positive note. Look forward to the event. 67 days, 17 hours, 29 minutes and 57 seconds from now.
1: And even less when you hear this.
0: That's right, because <laughs> you can just take off another day maybe. Actually, I don't know Probably get it out tonight. But Dan,
1: uh, Dan well, why don't you tell
2: us how and where to... To sign up for your your virtual event.
1: Yeah, we've got the new website launched, uh, virtual.podcastmovement.com. We've got the nice countdown at the top so you know how long you have to sign up. Um, we've tried to put as much information as we can about what the virtual event means in our eyes and um, what our platform looks like, what you can expect, uh, overview of the schedule so you can take your days off or map out your uh, calendar in October accordingly. And yeah, as the event go- grows closer, we'll start having the, the speakers announced there and we'll start having actual sessions on the schedule and hope, uh, like I said, for us, our, our goal is to get as many podcasters there as possible um, and, and the biggest goal is as many people as possible who maybe couldn't come to the in-person event, maybe never would be able to come to the in-person event, but will still be able to join us virtually and um, you know, hopefully become members of the community for life. So that's the big goal.
0: All right. So everyone, Thank you for being here on the new media show today. We had a little rough start at the beginning. So uh, hopefully uh, those of you uh, that maybe left be uh, it via podcast. But again, Todd at Blueberry.com at Geek News is my Twitter account. Dan, how can they, what's the best contact for you or the, for the team?
1: Yeah, you can shoot me an email, Dan at PodcastMovement.com. Or if you tweet at us or send us in a DM on Instagram or anything else at Podcast Movement, it'll uh, make its way back to me if it needs to.
0: And Rob? Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm on Twitter, um, at Rob Greenlee. And you can send me an email as well. Uh, send it to RobG at Lipson.com and happy to hear from you. So share any tips or things that you're hearing going on out there in the world. So or in the world of podcasting more specifically.
0: So yeah, tell us all your secret stuff. Right. Right. And we'll keep it confidential. <laughs> oh, yeah, and we won't show much, show any email screens either. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for being part of the family here. And uh, we'll see you on the new media show on Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific. Everyone take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.